everyone. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, the show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. And today is another fantastic day to have an interview. And today our, my guest is Kate Donovan, straight from New York. And her topic is very, very, very close to my heart. And it is burnout. Because I was joking before the show, I wrote the book on burnout, not the one how you deal with it, the one how you do it. And in every shape and color, burnout can be in, in, come in all nuances and, and things. I've done it. I've done it all. So I, I am the perfect host for this particular guest. So Kate, thank you so much for coming on to my show. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so nice to talk to someone who loves um, to chat burnout as much as I do. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. Because that was my life. I have always been striving and striving and striving. I never stopped to smell the roses. There was always more. There was always the next thing to be done. There was always the next goal. And surprise, surprise, even with the the... The biggest amount of coffee you will not get there and throw in the cocaine and that will not get there. I luckily never tried that, but hey, it is, it, you know, if I would have been in other places in the world, in other circumstances, God knows what I would have imbibed. Uh, and the reality is, uh, yeah, it only it's works. Coming. For, uh, it's coming. Exactly, exactly right. I mean, you're in, in New York at the moment and it is. Well, admittedly, it is a very strange time now with COVID having hit you guys especially hard. Uh, having said that, you flattened your curve. You actually got your shit together now, whilst the rest of the U.S. under very poor leadership is, is now ending, ending with a lot of bad, 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 bad juju there. Uh, but how is the situation in New York? Is it is it? forget COVID for a moment, the New York always had the reputation of you never sleep. And therefore, of course, there's also that expectation, hang on, I'm in New York, I need to live. So uh, what can I, which crutches can I have to actually, to actually Yeah, that's very that true in the city. That's very true in the city still, um, even within, I think COVID really slowed and hushed everything to a degree that New York City has never seen. New York has never been this quiet. I live actually in New Jersey and I travel into the city to my acupuncture clinic twice a week. And traveling into the city now, leaving the train station to walk to my office, I walk out and there's a quiet on the streets that I've never felt before. And so New York has a massive tendency toward overusing everything it can possibly find. <laughs> Maybe there's there is an interesting uh, caveat there. I would have fit very well in. I did uh, all my hard work uh, as a doctor in Germany to become a doctor. Then UK met my wife who was heading for Florida for, to be a nurse in Florida, and I said, "Look, hang on a bit. I'll do all the American exams." And I. Uh, finally actually had a, a, a very close this much away from a license in New York. So this oh, would funny. have been, yeah, this would have been our future. But then I visited New York and I had to say, actually, do I really want 
to be here for the rest of my life and bring up my kids and, and things like that. And we then made the choice now New Zealand is probably a bit of a safer, nicer, and for many other reasons, better place suited for yeah. us. But here you are, it is on a knife edge. It, I could have been, I could have one day seen you professionally <laughs> with my <laughs> burnout. So it is bizarre, bizarre. Well, having said all that, uh, Kate, how did that all start? How did your training start? Because you don't wake up one day to be a coach looking at no. burnout. So there is typically a much uh, a much more interesting story waiting behind the scenes. Yeah. What was your story? Yeah. So for me, I was also planning on being an MD most of my life. And um, when I finished high school, I got almost a full scholarship to Boston University. Which is a great school. They have a great med school. And so I started Boston University as a biology major on the pre med track with a minor in Eastern religion. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah, just uh, out of facet, I've always had a fascination. It, there was always something really interesting to me about it. I grew up um, Catholic, but I told my teachers and my parents when I was seven that I was not interested in anything that the Catholic church had to offer. I was seven years old and I was already, I was proclaiming this as a young child and I never changed my mind about that. So I, I got interested in different ways of seeing things and viewing things. And from a young age, I also knew that I had some sort of connection to the spiritual world. So I read a lot about these connections and a lot of the things that are available are available in Eastern thought. So I spent a lot of time thinking about things like this. And in my sophomore year of school, I took a course called the Sociology of Medical School. And it was basically taking us through a book that went through the life of someone who went through med school, residency, et cetera, in the United States as it was at the time. So this was the year 2000. And I finished that book and I finished that course and I thought, I can't do this to myself. I will kill myself. So you want me to be 35, a quarter of a million dollars in debt and exhausted. And then I'm supposed to help people. That doesn't even make any sense. So it, it's funny to me now that even as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, I was looking for ways to avoid burnout. I wasn't successful, long, you know, long story short, I wasn't successful, but I was looking for ways to avoid burnout. And I went into, at the time, one of my courses for my minor was a master's level course in meditation that was offered by Dr. Livia Cohn, who's the world's foremost scholar in Taoism. And I went into her office hours and I said, Livia, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm having a crisis. I've always planned on being, a. I was three when I told my grandmother I was going to be a doctor. This is the only plan I've ever had. I don't know what to do. She said, we'll do Chinese medicine. I said, what the F is Chinese medicine? I had no idea. And then I started reading. I got gifted some books. My roommate at the time gifted me a couple of books that really changed things. I started really understanding how and why Chinese medicine was presenting things in a certain way. And it turned into almost a religion for me at that point. I was, I was a neophyte. Definitely. I was into it. It made sense. It made the world make sense. I didn't understand why everybody wasn't talking about it all the time. And I thought, great. So I left my program in Boston and I went to California and I did a master's degree in Chinese medicine. And Lovely, right? I followed my heart. I did the thing that you're supposed to do in order to avoid burning out later in life. You're supposed to follow your passion and all of this. So I did. 
And in my, just before my last year, because it's a three to four year master's program to do, to do Chinese medicine. So it's a pretty long for a master's program, but I was almost done. And I went to Argentina for a little bit of a break, about a three month break. While I was there, I met a Polish man who turned into my husband later. So we were engaged within six weeks. So again, I found the right person. I followed my heart. I finished my schooling. I moved to Poland to be with him. I started working and I got very successful very quickly in Warsaw. And so I got to the point where I was 28 years old. We had an apartment that was already paid for because his parents had had provided us with that as a start, which is absolutely incredible. I had uh, was paying off my student loans in the United States faster than any of my American counterparts because I was making plenty of money, even though I could only charge at the time in Warsaw it was about thirty American dollars for an acupuncture treatment. Um, so I and you couldn't charge more; that was already quite expensive for the local people. And I was sort of catapulted to this degree of success that I don't think I was really quite ready for. And I was, I was on TV on a regular basis, speaking in Polish. I, I learned Polish when I moved there. So I was speaking in Polish on Polish TV, it was morning shows, magazines, you name it. I was a part of it. And I found myself being really resentful of my patients that they needed me of people that weren't yet my patients, that they were texting me and asking me to get on my schedule. I had a three-month waiting list and I couldn't handle it. And I thought, I grew up south of Boston, you know, we're, we're, we're known for being tough. I thought I had good boundaries. I thought I was assertive. I thought all those things and I was, I was wrong. So I started my burnout cycle then and, and I, I kept thinking that I had healed. You mentioned before we get on, you don't, you don't just burn out once, you do it over and over. It took me about seven years to really realize what was happening and then start to unwind it within myself. And then once I got to the other side, I looked around me and I thought, everybody needs to know how to do this. <laughs> seven years. Um, seven years. Oh, no, 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 no. I beat that hands down. That's rookie numbers in my book. <laughs> I'm a fast learner. Stefan. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've proven that again and again. And you're driven and you're passionate and you're, yes. you are uh, a girl who sees a goal and goes for it. And yeah. that's, that's what you have shown. You're this, well, I guess a type A personality and then the old kind of, of thinking and a, a go getter. So there are yeah, a lot of sure. lot of good ways how to put it, but uh, that particular trait can backfire so easily. It's a very double-edged sword. You you've described me uh, essentially as far as the go-getting is concerned, and I pride myself on the positive aspects of it, but not necessarily. I was for a long time I was not able to have the insight to see what it was doing to me. And yeah, it took it took some major crashes and ultimately rehab before I even seriously looked at what I had to do. Because it's always so easy, you think, oh God, you just need that break, you need that holiday, you need whatsoever. And that break came if you liked it or not, because when you when you burn out, you're burned out. And for me, it, it was typically once a year, I got really, really sick and yeah. some stupid virus hit me. And I was working, 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 stress, stress, stress. 
And then I was dead for <laughs> for three, four days and then slowly got better. And then a week, two weeks, three weeks later, work, 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 and so on. So, yeah. yeah, but having said that, what I learned for me was certainly that burnout can comes can come in all kind of shapes and nuances and and things so maybe let's i mean probably most of you who are listening in you you have your own version of burnout that you might know but let's explore actually some of the signs and symptoms of a burnout what it actually how it manifests itself and then let's look a little bit into into the depth what is happening in your body why is why why are you getting sick why what is happening to you on a not necessarily cellular but close to cellular level so cellular. within the organs yeah let's have a yeah, look at absolutely that. so the thing that's really interesting about this conversation is that there's uh, not a lot of really great research. Even because I started my mm. my educational path <laughs> in the medical field, I'm still pretty uh, staunch when it comes to reading peer-reviewed research and making sure that the information that I have is, is the right information and sort of double-checking everything. I've learned through alternative medicine that a lot of times that science is slightly flawed, but I still like to look to it and lean on it when I feel like it can be, when I feel like it's solid. And the research on burnout says that in order to, you, I can't really use the word diagnose because it's labeled an occupational hazard and not as a disease process, right? So it's got, it's, it's not a disease. It's in the um, MCD, but it's not necessarily a disease. It's an occupational hazard. There need to be three factors in order to claim it. And the first one is physical and emotional exhaustion. Like that covers pretty much every symptom that any of us can think of, mm. right? That covers physical and emotional exhaustion covers so many things that it's, that's really wide. But the next thing is cynicism and sort of a negative attitude, feeling detached from the people around you, right? Okay. So you've got a negative Nancy running in your head, right? That's okay. You know, most people do it at one point or another. And the third part is a feeling that the, your impact on the world isn't noticeable or important, that you're not making an impact, that your accomplishments don't mean much. And these are the three things that are supposed to be, you know, the definition of burnout. But when you break that down in, into an individual person, even if you just take factor one, physical and emotional mm -hmm. exhaustion, we're talking about everything from insomnia, um, falling asleep in the middle of the day, um, being unable to drive from blurred vision because you're so fatigued. We're talking about short emotional bandwidth. So we're exploding at our families for no good reason. We're crying at commercials that are not even moving where, you know, we don't, we have, like I had, you know, resentment towards people who are asking us for things because we don't actually have the bandwidth to help them any longer, et cetera, et cetera. So this covers really in every individual person, such a wide array of actual symptoms that it's impossible to say, you know, these are the symptoms that mean you have burnout because, and this is especially important in the Eastern religions, we realize religions in the Eastern medicines, we realize that you will show symptoms in areas of your body in your life where there was already a lack of integrity. 
So for instance, if you got into a car accident when you were 12 and you had whiplash, when you have burnout, one of your symptoms will be neck pain. Right. So we understand these connections. So for me, when I see a new patient in my acupuncture clinic or I'm working with a new client one on one, I do a full Chinese medicine health diagnosis. So we know where those places that are that are are that lack integrity and we can focus on strengthening them and then using them as that particular person's red flag symptoms. Right. To say, oh, my neck hurts. Something's not right oh, I better take care of myself. Or for some people, it's digestive upset because they traveled as a child and had a parasite or something. You know, There's all these different ways it can show up in your body. So discovering what it means for you in your body is an incredibly important part of my work. So true. Absolutely true. It is uh, through my journey of being open to everything in the last seven years, I've encountered situations where I certainly could not make head or tail of as far as structured Western medicine was concerned. Yet something was clearly happening on, or I discovered a link between a symptom in my body and an emotion, for example, or a set of exactly. emotions. And mm -hmm. this is certainly a weird, weird kind of thing criteria uh, for burnout. What struck me, uh, what struck me immediately was the first three symptoms that you mentioned. The uh, poor sleep, the waking up exhausted, the falling off to sleep in places where you don't want to fall off to sleep. Well, that's exhaustion, yes, but it's also the three cardinal symptoms for obstructive sleep apnea. So if you developed mm -hmm. actually a, a medical reason why you sleep really badly because you've gained so much weight, for example, what happens is you get strangulated by your own weight at nighttime 50, 100 times, which basically means strangled, strangled, you can't breathe, a brief snore, <laughs> wake up. And you have go off to sleep, and you do the same, you know, a few every few minutes or every few yeah. seconds. That's obstructive sleep apnea. And so, if you wake up exhausted, etc., that is it from that. It has nothing to do with burnout. That is because you you have developed a body problem. So it can. Well, it be depends on where the body problem came from. Are you overeating because you're tired and you're oh, trying to you're. keep your because your blood sugar is is low and and you know so <laughs> so true. we could go round and round and round. Absolutely, absolutely, and and that is what someone like you does, isn't it? That is what yes. the the Chinese medicine uh, is actually so beautiful, renowned for for a holistic approach for an approach that takes far more into consideration than your shoulder there. In the Western medicine, you've got shoulder problems, then you look at which kind of tendon goes in and what's going on. And that's really important because sometimes yes. you've ruptured the tendon. You need a surgeon. Yes. It's as simple <laughs> exactly. as that. Um, so always rule out things, okay? So that's where your GP, yeah. your family physician comes in. And, and and this is really important to me. This is one of the things that I have. Every single time I start with a new client, with a new burnout client, when I have a patient that's in my office, I can work with them and I can see different things happening in front of me. But when I'm with working with someone online, I make a request that they do a full blood panel before we begin, because I don't want to waste your time or your money to find out that you are anemic with low vitamin D. Exactly. exactly. And right. just 
let's get the right supplements in you and, and send you on your way. Mm -hmm. If after you take them, you still realize that there are some things happening, then fine, we can work through them. But I really do believe that we have to deal with, you know, the lowest hanging fruit first. Like let's deal with what's easiest first. Yeah. That Before we dive into the things that are more difficult, because deciding to recover from burnout is much like deciding to recover from addiction. It's a process and it's very difficult. They have the same root in the brain. And Trauma, lack of worthiness, all of this, you know? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It is, uh, when you drill down to it, it always comes down to the to the reward and pain drivers at the, the very bottom reptilian exactly. brain and uh, that is what makes us who we are it's two simple wishes or or things in us to avoid pain and seek reward but that can get bloody complicated uh, by the time you throw in childhood trauma you throw in a bit of depression, a bit of PTSD, a bit of personality traits, a bit of this, a bit of that. Then add some injuries, some real injuries, some damage yep. to your body. Then, uh, and that can be physical damage, or it could be more on a on a intriguing level when when hormone imbalances are concerned, or yep. when it when you talk about viruses. COVID is the classic example now, but we are surrounded by by viruses. The bacteria in your gut, if you look at your DNA, um, if you look at everything that you are, that Kate Donovan, well, actually, from a DNA perspective, maybe 20, 30% comes from your mommy and daddy. And the rest are bacteria. And is, is, mm -hmm. uh, is, there's so much more to us than we possibly can even fathom. Uh, so therefore, that's a complex beast. But I like your approach that, first of all, let's rule out the nasty, stu uh, stupid things that potentially actually are very easily curable. Yeah. And uh, then let's go on to this journey. And that's what it is. It is a journey. You start yeah. with exploring one thing, take that off, see how you go. And it's you assess, do something, reassess. And that's a systematic thing you can't just go in as a doctor if we if we look at um how to treat a a, a patient it's the same thing you don't just go in with a with a shotgun approach and just shoot in there with 20 different tablets and then see oh how are you no you make one change see what the hell is happening and then yeah. add another tablet in see what is happening etc and that's the same with with burnout and uh the well-being burnout yes. is one thing what we really are talking about is loving yourself and loving yourself this much that you're willing to make changes that are catapulting you into new realms into new levels of joy and fulfillment that so far you can't even begin to understand so and that's what where kate and i come from so there is a world out there, guys, that is just mind-blowingly beautiful. But when you're in the middle of the burnout, you can't see that. So. It's really, yeah, it's impossible to see. It's impossible to see. And, and there are physiological changes that happen with burnout that make it more difficult to mm. see. Like when, let's, let's when you're burnt out, that. yeah, when you're burnt out, the, um, and burnout in this regard means that you have been under a certain amount of chronic stress, high level or low level for an extended period of time. Right. That's all that that means. 
really. And what happens over time is that your brain will shrink, especially your prefrontal cortex will actually shrink. So the place that controls all of your executive functioning has the ability to interpret your emotions happening within a certain environment, has the ability to basically adult like you can adult because of your prefrontal cortex, um, that shrinks during burnout. So you lose the ability to sort of deal with your emotions on an adult level because you don't actually have the brain capacity to do so. The other thing that happens is the limbic system gets totally overwhelmed and gets stuck on repeat, right? So we were talking about this a little bit before. That means that the stress management system that your brain usually uses is totally overwhelmed and it can't take in any more stuff. It's not going to process it. it it's just not going to, it can't, it has no space left. So in order to heal, we do need to remind the nervous system of the body that it is safe often enough to create enough time and space for the brain to be able to heal and regrow. Right. And this is the trick also when it comes to healing addiction, right? There's there, especially when the addiction starts young, there are brain changes that happened. There are maturities that were never explored because the brain was interrupted during that time. And you need the time and space to simply have a calm enough nervous system to be able to grow to your full neuron potential, your full brain potential, so that you can actually use that to move forward. So true, so true. Uh, in general terms, as an addict, if you start using, let's say you start drinking heavily or smoking marijuana heavily at the age of 15, and you finally come to your senses at you know 40 years of age and, and stop using or seriously cut back, you're actually still on the emotional maturity of a 15-year-old, like exactly. it or lump it. Uh, because the drugs do unfortunately stunt your growth dramatically. And uh, that is a cool, cool thing to then realize when you're in rehab, because you can do all this, <laughs> the, cool, the cool growing and, and, and rebuilding yourself. Uh, and it, it will happen. You will gain yeah. your maturity. And that journey yeah. is a roller coaster. It is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you actually are aware that you're no longer in the hangover haze or in the alcohol haze to actually yeah. see what is happening to you. It, however, it might be that you're going through puberty again from, from your emotional level because you suddenly have got all these emotions that are there that you have so that far. That you never learned how to deal with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just described Rhea. <laughs> uh, I do. I did mention before we got on that I do. there is an addict in my family, so I have been uh -huh. through this as an adjunct. <laughs> and it's beautiful that you have got the insight because then, of course, that helps you as a, as a coach um, to, yeah, to, to see that in other people. Guys, before the, the show, we have been joking that that uh, we are um, we have got a very low uh, low acceptance level for bullshit um, because we are we are both sort of bullshitters uh, for a number of reasons. So you never bullshit a bullshitter. Uh, we have heard it all, we've seen it all. So therefore. <laughs> Don't even try to pull the wool over our eyes. And that's, that's yeah, when it comes to these kind of symptoms and when to these kind of changes of burnout, of course, we don't like them. 
And uh, first of all, it is painful to see them. So that's another stressor for you to actually mm -hmm. even admit to the fact that you are not a happy person. So talk about shame, guilt, and anger, and resentment. So, and these are all not nice things in my books, but I'm intrigued with you, Kate, because you were saying, actually, resentment, which is one of the biggest drivers for me, or was the biggest driver for me, as far as drinking was concerned, you nasty pieces of work. Look what you did to me. I show you. I will drink a whole bottle of vodka now. Ha! I will show you. That kind of bullshit. That was me. Yeah. Um, resentment. Yeah. But you say, actually, resentment. Let's reframe what we think about it and how we use it. Tell I me more about resentment. that. I love resentment. It's my favorite. So how the hell? It's my favorite. How the hell? <laughs> So uh, resentment is really tied in with righteousness, right? So not only are, did you either you did something to me, other person, or I did so much for you and you didn't recognize me for it. It's really tied up in what we think is just, in what we think is fair. And really at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you think is just or fair <laughs> because that's just life is going to do, the world is going to do its own thing around you no matter what. Resentment for me is a massive tool because resentment teaches us where all of the boundaries that we have not put up need to be placed. Resentment is how we learn to self-care and stop overgiving and stop allowing other people to enter our space when we don't have the time or energy for it. So, for instance, I'm going to do resentment of um, an inanimate object first just to give this a little bit of, um, because I realized after I worked with people for about two or three years, I realized that I also did this with inanimate objects and I was floored by this information, but I eat eggs every day for breakfast. Every day I have eggs for breakfast. I have done it for years, eggs, some sort of vegetable, maybe a little bit of meat once in a while, but generally eggs and veg are my breakfast. And you know, every six months or so the pan starts to get old and the eggs start to stick. And I'd be halfway through cooking my eggs and I'd be annoyed all over again that my eggs are sticking to the pan. And then by the time I had to wash the pan, I was frustrated that I'm washing the pan and I have to scrape the bottom because the eggs stuck to the pan. And why this pan should work. This is a good pan. Okay. Right. In this case, your answer for resentment, your answer for creating this boundary is upgrading your pan. But you can't always upgrade people. So you have to find different ways of having the difficult conversations that need to be had when your resentment is towards people. I realized after some time that, like I mentioned, I was really resentful towards my patients because they needed me so much. So patients would write to me and I would be frustrated and I'd be annoyed thinking, you know, get out of like, get out of my space. I'm home. I'm trying to relax. I'm not at work right now. I don't feel like working right now. You should have scheduled when you were in my office last time. And I'd have this whole internal chat with myself about how annoyed I was that they weren't acting according to the rules that I didn't even give them. <laughs> right. Yes. yes. This is yes. resentment. So they don't know the rules. They're just asking me for the thing. They're supposed to ask me for appointments. That's what I do, you know. But I, when I realized that I was super resentful about this, the boundary that I created was I bought an online, an online scheduling system. 
And I started redirecting all of my patients to schedule themselves online. I had no idea how much this was going to save me energetically over time for the grand fee of, you know, $17.99 a month or whatever the heck it costs. I don't even know. I don't look at it anymore because it's so valuable to me that I don't pay attention, right? So when we look at resentment, we can figure out where we are overexerting our own energy to please other people that those other people are likely not even asking us to do and learn about whether or not we should drop it because it's not important, upgrade it as if you need a new pan, delegate it to either another person or to software because sometimes it's software that you can delegate to at this point, which is lovely. And the last option is create a boundary. And usually when you create a boundary, you're not creating a boundary for another person. You're creating a boundary for yourself. So in that situation, had I not delegated to software, the answer would not have been tell each and every one of my patients that they can only text me within my working hours because they're not always going to know my working hours. People are going to forget. It's like a really big ask, but Mm. that is what you get taught, right? When it's time to build a boundary, teach everybody else how they're supposed to treat you. No, no, no. When it's time to build a boundary, I want everybody to just stop and and let this sink in for a second. When it's time to build a boundary, you have to decide what you are no longer willing to contribute and then respect your own internal decision. So for instance, in this case with patients, the other answer had I had I not, you know, delegated to a software would have been to not respond unless I was in the office. And patients would have learned over time that I respond when I'm good and ready instead of expecting me to respond immediately because that's what I always did. I taught them to expect my response immediately. And then I was upset at them for needing it. (laughs) So the answer isn't an external boundary, right? The answer is an internal boundary. I think the other thing that I would add to your, to your, belief system as far as resentments are concerned is to use resentment not as something to be ashamed of or or angry about but use it as a as a as a warning light going on yes because that's to me it should be used as a warning light and as a as a curiosity trigger exactly exactly why am i what boundary that's right where needs to be put here that's right where did I overextend myself? Why exactly. am I feeling like that? And exactly. accept that the feeling is there. Don't get angry about it. The feeling is there. It's just as much as you're angry about uh, today, the weather not being so nice. You can't do anything about the weather. These clouds will keep coming. The rain will keep coming. Yes, you can be really pissed off about it. It doesn't change a thing. So yeah. therefore, and that's the same with your, with your emotion. You have got to present. Exactly. That is a, a sign that something somewhere is not right. And that's where you then might wish to step back and think of what is actually happening here. And for me, it's the the classic triggers. It's hold. I I, uh, teach people around me. So uh, are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? You know, when Mm -hmm. when was the last food you've had? 
when was the last hydration you have had? Are you actually that low grade headache and the tension that you have got? Is that because you literally haven't drunk a single glass of water the whole day and only coffee? You know, it's this, those little things. Yeah. So hungry, yes. angry, lonely, tired. So when I get angry and resentful with other people, I step back and think, whoa, who let you out? Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> typically I let myself out by, uh, by not focusing on the little micro habits that I know are so good for me. And by neglecting to love myself, I end up just opening all the doors to to the negative things out there. But most of the time, it's self-created. Um, most I create- of the time, it is. Exactly. Most of the time, it is. One of the things that I spoke about on, um, I did a podcast with Dr. Valerie Reen, who is the author of the Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Mm-hmm. And we were saying how oftentimes women will not go to the bathroom, like not go pee when they need to go pee because they have to answer another email because somebody's expecting something from them because, you know, and we were talking about this and, and this is exactly what you're saying now. When you don't tend to your own very basic needs, hunger, anger, tired, thirst, yeah. you know, low blood, whatever happens to be, when you don't tend to the, to the lowest level of your needs as a human being, very easy to get resentful because you think that people are expecting things of you, but normally they're not. You're expecting things from you. You're throwing yourself into that space. You are not stopping and saying, you know what? I need to call you back in five minutes. I need to use the bathroom and get a glass of water. Hmm. Right? We're not being adults. We're no. just not adulting. That's true. And if you think through how your body is designed your body is actually very clever when it comes to defending itself it loves Mm. to live so therefore if you now literally put your body into a situation where it knows it is in danger because you are thirsty which means your body actually needs water and uh, these kind of things your blood sugars are low uh, all these kind of things if the bladder is bursting there's a pain signal there then and and Mm -hmm. it's constantly there and your body's saying hey come on i'm sending you signals why don't you listen well Mm -hmm. it is there is stress building up uh at a very primeval very very deep down level and yeah, it, you're so right. We need to address those things and need to listen to what our body is actually telling us because it's a clever, clever machine. It has a lot of bells and whistles and bells and whistles are there to warn you. And how often do we not listen? Hmm. Yeah. So oftentimes my work is centered around trying to help people realize why they don't feel deserving of their own care. Hmm. Now that now there you open a can of worms, because now you're talk, you're starting back at the emotions, and suddenly and, and here we go. Around, yeah, around, <laughs> but guys, that that's that's what this is. That's why yeah. this is a journey. That's why you can't make a thirty minute appointment with Kate and say, "Brilliant, done, dusted, I know it all." That's cool. Thank you so much for sending me on the right path. Uh-huh. No, no, it doesn't work it's like layer that. after onion layer after <laughs> onion layer after onion layer. That's right. <laughs> and and it is a beautiful journey. Uh, like mm. onion layers, if you cut them, it makes you cry um, because inevitably there are some painful facts hidden in amongst all these these beautiful layers and these painful facts 
you might have tried to push them to the deepest recesses of your mind. And yet here we are actually having to explore them because they are actually the fundamentals that keep driving your bad things happening. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So no, it is it is a beautiful journey, but it's a painful one. And I'm pleased that I've done it and that I keep doing it. Because that's what 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 actually this journey is. Don't think for a moment that that will you do that half a year. Wow, you set half a year aside and then you're you're this new and improved version. Yes, you are a new and improved version, but you're far from being finished. It's the same as if you walk down a path and you think, ah, over there, I want to come to that boulder there. Ah, great. Then you're at that boulder and you look around the corner of the boulder and there's another path there. (laughs) The path continues. And it is a beautiful thing because you learn so many things about yourself. The moment you start becoming open and the moment you start listening to your body and listening to people like Kate who can guide you. Because we have got this supercomputer up here, but no one gave us a user manual. So we are trying to (laughs) dabble around and pressing a few buttons and, um, okay, and from now and then you hit the monitor, (laughs) something like that. Uh, But the reality is there are people out there who who know at least a bit the, the programming system of the computer. So they might tell you, hey, look, if you combine all tap, that actually gets you gets you something. So you can restart. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll delete. Um, fair enough. <laughs> now, I think the reality is, guys, it is it is a beautiful journey for everyone out there. And I always say rehab should be mandatory for every 16-year-old, uh, four weeks in rehab uh, and learning about your emotions, learning about burnout, learning about these kind of things, uh, living it in the sense of being there and listening to someone sitting next to you who had his unique set of problems and who shares his his story his journey and listening to to other people and and I guess that's that's where where life coaches come in because they have had their own unique set of problems they typically have succeeded in one way or the other to overcome these problems and have learned that wow, this is such a beautiful journey. Why why does not everyone know about that? And then comes this this drive and this passion out of us that we actually say, well, let's let's share that. Come on. And that's why why Kate and I are sitting here and 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 spending time talking to well preaching a little bit to the converted here uh, because we both we both have been there done that and we've got that <laughs> we've fell asleep on the t-shirt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly so no it is beautiful <laughs> so Kate if, if people want to get hold of you if they want to work with you how can they do that Everything is available on my website. It's katedonovan.com. That's the easiest place to find all the all the beginning notches. I do have quite a few free resources for people to get things started on their own if they want to. I also host a podcast called Fried the Burnout Podcast, which is designed to have you listen to real stories of other people that have sort of been through the fire and back. And to let you know that it is possible to heal, that other people have done it, that you are not alone, that we can drop the shame and the 
guilt and the judgment and all of that and move forward through our lives. So I think, I mean, just finding my website and then finding all of those resources and tools, I've really created quite the, um, amassment of, of info over the years for people that I feel really proud to be able to offer people on an everyday basis, just saying like, here world, please feel better. You know? (laughs) I love it. I love it. And that's, that's because if we create within our sphere, a little bit of a better world just around us, Imagine then the next guy takes that on and creates his little bit of a better world. And can you imagine the snowball effect? Our world needs it at the moment. Uh, So why not go out there and learn about yourself, create the new and improved version of yourself, and then spread the love? I could imagine worse things. Amen, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So guys, look down there in the description of the YouTube uh, presentation or of the podcast. You will find the links to Kate. And as always, it was a fantastic, fantastic interview. I learned so much from you, Kate. I, I, I had not thought about resentment as actually a very positive sign, a very positive thing, because it is a marker. It is a, is a warning sign, a whistle there to say, oi, stop it. Yeah, something is wrong here. It's just step back, hold fire for a moment, whatever you do. The Germans would do this, yeah? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> very true. <laughs> so obviously the Polish are not very different in what they would do. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Kate, I'm so grateful for, for uh, you coming onto my show. Guys, if you want to make contact, please do so with Kate. I think you will start an amazing journey. There's no doubt in my mind. Otherwise, look after yourself, have that glass of water, take that step back, have that moment of me time, regardless where you are, what you are, you need to sharpen your saw, you need to look after yourself and learn to love yourself. Amen. Bye. Bye.